Hello everybody and welcome back to Julian Jones Was Live in the 90s, episode 5. What a guest I've got for you today. Very special to me. We've worked many times over the years. Uh, we met in the 90s on a fantastic little game show called Man Oh Man and on Neighbours later in life in around 2002, I think, to 2004. Let me introduce to you all Yolandi Robinson. Hello, Yolandi. How are you going? Hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It was so good seeing you the other day. You came round and we had a chat and it was so nice to see you. Oh, we had lots of chats. That was gorgeous. What a... And there's been such a big gap, like, but it didn't feel like that at all. Like, just, I love those things. I think when <laughs> you uh, gel with somebody the way – and working with somebody from, what, 6 a.m. till – 8pm at oh. night, every day. Yeah. <laughs> you really get to know each other pretty well. Yeah, the best and the worst and the and the not quite right moments in the morning, definitely. Well, <laughs> and to our audience, like I do, most of you know I do hair and makeup in film, TV and fashion and editorial and Yo does wardrobe or did wardrobe. We'll get back to, we'll get to that topic in a minute. Um in TV, you grew up in the magazine world, though. That was news to me the other day. I've known you for 20 years and I never knew that, 20 plus Yeah, years. yeah, I grew up. Dad was a journalist, quite a well-respected journalist for TV Week and TV Scene. And so I grew up with the Logies and Countdown as a kid. <gasps> wow. So, yeah. And had the pleasure later on in life to work with a lot of the actors that he worked with and people like Bert Newton who were dear friends and it was very cyclic. It was, you know, yeah, it's, I've been very lucky. But it's so amazing. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, the world of editorial, uh, I've done t- oof, about 30 years in that myself and TV Week, I've done so much for TV Week and the, and the Logies over well, the years. Well, it's fascinating how stuff people cross, isn't it? You know, like the paths that we have are connected and then we find these other tributaries sort of that it's pretty very odd. And and you know, it's interesting I was just thinking then, um, because I remember I knew a couple of your relatives from working in different spaces and I remember looking at you thinking, God, you're familiar and so we learnt about that and it was very similar with Bert because Bert actually kept looking at me going, I know you and I thought, Well you don't know me because I was young and it was he recognised my father in me. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's really interesting, those gorgeous isn't, moments. Isn't it? And we didn't really click until – now, can we digress a little? When did we do Neighbours? Was it 2002 to 2004, uh, roughly? Yeah, I think so because yeah. my daughter was kinder, which is pretty crazy in itself. Yes. Well, and the beauty of Neighbours then was it was three and a half days a week. So you could yeah. you could actually manage a family fairly. Oh, uh, well, wardrobe wasn't so, Jules. Oh, yeah, but yeah, because yeah, you <laughs> had you had, you had heaps of prep. Yeah, heaps of prep and putting you know putting back cleaning you know restoring because there were always what there was three units going at once. So there was 
location, studio and prep week, which yeah. was breaking down the scripts. And so you had another team wanting the stuff that you had and you had to get it back. It was, yeah, crazy, crazy. And isn't it crazy? Like that's why they say in the US Australian talent and crew do quite well because especially something on Neighbours, and I'm pretty sure from memory home and away is very similar. There's two crews, three crews often, but yeah. mainly there's two crews working side by side and one's filming, say, week one and the others are filming week two and we have to juggle each other's photos, continuity Yeah, I, photos. Think, I think we've got um, incredibly good reputation for our stamina, that's for sure, because before I did TV, I did theatre yeah. and primarily opera and um, I went at a... You know, I was about 26 or something. I went to the big, you know, go over to England and try to work. And I put in for jobs thinking, I'm, oh, hopefully I'll get one. And I got all of them, which was weird because I was like, oh, why? And they were like, no, because you're Aussie. And I'd actually done all the big shows, Phantom, Les Mis. Um, I think I ended up choosing Miss Saigon because it was the only one I hadn't done before. Wow. And um, I did that. But then I went to work for the Scottish Opera on tour and they took me because of the diversity of what I'd done. Wow. So I suppose our shows didn't last so long so that my CV was huge, whereas in England you could do a show for 10 years, you know. So, yeah, really interesting. But we've got a lot of respect for what what we do here, yeah, which well, is really great. I mean, we hit the ground running at 6 a.m., so, and you don't stop. Yeah. And you Not know, in you... an attractive way. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> At least I didn't have to look good. That was, <laughs> thank God for that. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't really have to look good either, mate, <laughs> you know. But, yeah. But, you know, when yeah. you're working around looking, making everybody else look good, you know, yeah. there's something that yeah. goes along with that and you do tend to keep yourself a little tidier. Yeah, well, there's format. You need a format or you can't function. Because I remember I used to have to get um, my daughter's rubies like ready for kinder and and her clothes and my clothes and everything was in the dark and, you know, so you just need formulas or nothing. The minute it goes wrong, you don't get anywhere. Yeah, that's so true. But what what about getting formulas in unison? Like everybody, well, we've all got to be on the same page. Like if you've got a character, oh, that's never, that's never going to happen. Is it completely? <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm thinking in bigger range life. Mm. Well, that's just details yeah. and being really aware of and respectful of what everyone else's part is in the team, I suppose. Yeah. And that's where those relationships that we've had in those shows, like like neighbours, uh, people don't quite understand. I mean, I work in a different sector now and I, I do miss that that respect at that level and that um, commitment to team. Yeah. It, it's different. It's different. It's not that it's not there, but it's definitely different. And yeah, that's that's the only way that functions. You, you can't function autonomously in, in that setting. Yeah. And, and the goal has to be the same to get the story out. Doesn't it? You know, well, and that's primarily what you're doing. So you need to support the actor and the set crew and the film crew to 
be able to do their stuff and you do your stuff. But you've also got to hold your own ground because you can be kiboshed pretty quickly. It's like everyone can be a bit more important under stress. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you've still got to be pretty strong in going, uh-uh, nah, you know. Yeah. And when you do... And especially... Sorry. When you do, you know why you're saying no. Yeah, yeah. I think the energy is so strong. That's why, you know, well, because you would have had, and we did together, you know, even when an actor's having a really hard moment, Mm. you know, you have to hold the fort because they can't go to perform in that second until you get them together and make them feel stronger, you know. And um, so those things you have to uphold. That's part of the job, getting that person to be okay to do their bit. Oh, Look, especially when they've just got back from a world tour or and they're completely exhausted and they've jet lagged and got off the plane an hour ago or they've, yeah. got, or they've got the flu, you know, yeah, or their parent has passed away. There's all those, yeah, intricacies yeah. and that's where experience or compassion. Well, I think it's to the privacy of the space. I mean, you can do mm. wardrobe and you can do makeup, but... There's so much more to it. You know, I always thought the wardy bus is it's like a therapy room, really, where that person, you really enter into that person's private space. Yep. And um, if you can't respect that or work with that, then, yeah, you probably shouldn't be there. It's not about the clothes and the function. Yeah. It's about the whole package. It so, is. Well, it's storytelling. Yeah. So um, yeah. we're just a... a a piece of that storytelling. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> oh, well, there's some of us who think we're a little more than just a piece of that storytelling. <laughs> well, we all have those moments, <laughs> we, you know, and I've had those moments where yeah. I needed to think I had to rise and then later go, oh, okay, that was a bit much. Pedal down, pedal. Well, look, and that's the beauty of working with familiars, <laughs> isn't it? Because they can have a laugh at you when you're behaving that way. And, you know, it can be made into a light moment. Well, and, yeah, that really is important, I think, too, because it works so hard and fast. Um, Even standing still on set is working hard and fast. (laughs) Like, people feel like, oh, you know. And it's like, no, no, this is really hard to focus and keep it all in tap. So doing those things are really... um, sort of key to to making sure that the formula works. And I think that you need those mates and colleagues around you that just go, oh, God, shit, no, that wasn't yo. What you doing that for? You know, and just laugh at you because bring you back to It's like, oh, yeah, that was ugly. Okay. Yeah. Moving yeah. on, moving on. Where are we now? So, yeah. And I think versatility is probably one of the best things about entertainment. Mm-hmm. Somebody, somebody was talking to me the other day about, they didn't. They felt that they they worked in education, which I do now, and um, that they preferred there were less egos in education, and it was an interesting discussion because I was like, mm, yes and no. I don't know. It was fluid in the entertainment industry. Sure, there are big egos, but the egos were variable and could modify and the closeness of people allowed you to move through that and not always be judged for that, you know, and to be able to laugh and connect. Whereas I think in different 
systems, it's a lot harder, you know. For sure. Um, the lines are very clear and sometimes they make it very hard for that connection. So yep. it was an interesting perspective and it was interesting to hear the the side I kind of took. I was like, oh, I'm listening to myself. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Well, I mean, it's very you. Um, this is a, a bit of a lead into what you're doing now. You work in the wonderful cathartic way of transcribing child's traumatised minds into colour and art? I do. You do? And, um, yes. In, in the I education work, system, we should say. Yes, or in and on the side of the education system. I'm not primarily that within the primary school that I, I work in a public primary school. I'm a, a mental health wellbeing coordinator. Yeah. Um, so I work with services and... Um, the teaching body to navigate mental health um, issues. It's not the word I want to choose, but you know, when a child is having difficulty, especially past through the past two years with COVID, yeah. um, that's changed everything. Um, and um, so, and then externally, I'm a clinical psychotherapist, which specialises in. Art therapy and trauma counselling. So, oh, well, and I've worked with yeah, I've worked with vicars, I've worked with bikers, palliative care CEOs. Like I've been so privileged with the diversity. So yeah, a bit odd. Went from there to there to there. Interesting. Yeah, but to have you on their team when they're going through such challenges, I know how you operate. So I'd I'd be like, yes, take her, go go with her. <laughs> She's the one because you you do have a really big heart and you do and 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 you can put your foot down at the right time. You do have self control most of the time, and, yep. <laughs> and yeah, I like it most of the time. I do. And you're, a bit, you're a bit eclectic <laughs> as well. Like you're an artist, so you know there's all these. Yeah, so I self I self practice my methods with myself. I actually have to remind myself, though, yeah. if I get myself in a state, I'm like, what would I be asking someone else to? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then re- and then realise that it works. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting, and we spoke the other day about the connection between the two spaces, the schooling um, and the clinical work and then the entertainment uh, was very much, I think I learnt my respect and ability to be in someone's private space from working in entertainment yep. um, be, because I was part of the story but I I was not in the story mm. and so I learned to be sort of invisible and it's interesting my art therapy training, um, I was trained as a companion, not so much a counsellor but a companion who sits with someone in a really hard space to support them yep. to their understanding about themselves. So I don't put in stuff into the story. So it's very they're quite similar in a weird way. Yeah. I found, I found that quite interesting when I was saying that. I was like, oh. <laughs> I love it when you have epiphanies while we're talking. I know. <laughs> I was like, oh. oh, oh there you that. go. That happened. Yeah. But it's, but it's true. And, I mean, it's interesting that you say, you know, you, you learnt how to be invisible as such, during the storytelling, 
while we were yeah. filming, but not actually yeah. as a workplace member. You were definitely not invisible. But no, but it's like an invisible invisible partner. You learn. So, you learn. Yeah. To um, have a voice at certain times only, really. Well, it's interesting because that took me on for there was a time when I did high care disability and I work with um mostly adults on the spectrum non-verbal and so a lot of it was body language like I had to start to really understand body language and you know a lot of things that I did weren't through words and that's when I started investigating you know I started to feel that words were a bit crude they didn't explain we were unable to use that and that's where the art came in and I went off and trained. And then since then, I've sort of specialised in PTSD. I did a lot of study on the military um, because in America, this incredible woman was doing mask making um, as a process to get traumatised veterans to start to be able to speak and find their words to describe what was going on. And, and it sort of, sort of integrates into the block. So the creating allows the pathways, the neuropathways in the brain to start to find those words and the things that we lock away. Yeah. And then I was just fascinated from then. I just went on and on. So I've actually done masks with quite a few um, emergency services and um, people that have been diagnosed with PTSD. And I hope one day in the future... I will be able to do a clinical trial with it, but, you know, I'm getting there. But, yeah, and so I utilise those things with kids now. That's any discussion that I have. I may not be doing a session with them, but I I watch myself and I think, oh, my God, there you go. We end up creating and that's sort of how we end up discussing because kids are quite similar. They they can't always find the words. Yeah, they're they're, they're quite the package, aren't they? And... Especially when they're going through trauma, you, some of them you wouldn't always know they're going through trauma or early yeah. early stages of trauma. Yeah. Um, well, I think oh, it's interesting. Kids are better at understanding their bodies, so that mm. somatic um, response to triggers they can attach to an, an understanding to a lot better than adults. We've conditioned ourselves out. And, you know, have to all go and do beautiful yoga and things to get that sense back because we're so unattached to our bodies. Wow. But kids can get there pretty quickly because they do it in play. And um, if you sort of sit at their level and join in in what they're doing in companion, that's sort of when the story starts coming out. Yeah, definitely. I was uh, just, yeah. I was just on the phone to a friend yesterday and she was – saying she told her granddaughter off, I think it was, and then the very next day she came out and she said, you know, just go over there. You're being very rude. Your mouth's a bit potty mouth at the moment. <laughs> and you go and sit over there for a minute and have a think about what you're talking about and how you're saying it. And the very next day she brought her two toys up together and, and they were talking to each other and she threw one into the corner of the room and the other doll said to her, you stay over there. You've been a naughty girl. You've got a potty mouth at the moment. Literally, oh my God. literally 24 Fantastic. hours later. Uh, yep. And that's exactly kind of what we're talking about, right? Well, What's it that? is. Oh, my God. That's, that's so play therapy. That's yep. the value of play therapy. And I think 
you know, in such a busy world, people are like, oh, yeah, but what's actually going on? And it's like, well, this very simple moment is not so simple, actually. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> and it's quite common. Like, people people often say to me, how did you find that in that story? And it's like, well, a child brings it forward, but it's from watching the detail. And often my formula is that I believe that children they absorb what everything that's around them and a lot of the time it's the adult world that has forgot to put the information in. You know, it's what they've heard on the phone or they've somebody else told somebody else and the kids at school told somebody else and so it's all perspective and so we've got to get back in the mix and help fill it up with the information that they didn't get so that they can create their own perspective, not not one made up of all the bits that we accidentally gave them. So how do you do that? How do you fill that hole or that gap of information? Uh, well, it's about listening and watching the words. I mean, <clears throat> depends what it is. I mean, the most obvious one for me, a kid with trauma quite often, the, the trauma series of um, when people have triggers, yeah. quite often, not not always, but quite often, when they get distressed or they're triggered, it's one of those moments where people say, oh, for example, you know, you sound like a child. Well, in actual fact, you know, if you listen to the words the person's saying when they're distressed, they probably do sound like a child because if you can pinpoint the time, the age they were then, that is most likely, possibly, the moment where the trauma started. So the so the key is in the listening to the and so I've dealt with a lot of that and people you know our our unfortunate responses are often don't act like a child don't da 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 and it's like no the key is in what just came out then and quite often the statements when that person's distressed are repetitive and you can hear the same sentences and it's like oh my god same thing there's the thing with we're stuck on. So um, I'm quite open about my history and one of my triggers is to not be hurt or I perceive it to be not to be hurt. And it's only from um, like sort of analysing that and drawing that out and going back to it years and years ago, I realised it was a perspective that got very stuck and even now, I can still have it. If I get unsettled about something, like quite unsettled, but now I can capture it and go, oh, you're feeling unheard. And wow. That may not be true. That's, I may have attached that to something. So does that make sense? It's sort That's of, a lot so of sense. Of course it does. Yeah, so it's just it's patterns of listening and, and watching. You know, I had a high school kid who had a veteran dad and they thought he was being... Um, I was actually on yard duty. I wasn't really working with him, but he was in the uh, hands-on learning area, and in, there was a whole lot of sand. And he was building bunkers, <laughs> and no one had ever spoken to him like little toy bunkers for cars and things. But he was high school level, and so the end of the story was that his dad had been a veteran. He hadn't had a lot to do with him, and he was recreating things 
that he thought had happened. So, yeah, but the assumption was, you know, stop playing around, what are you doing, you're making a mess of the sand, da, 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 da. you're a bit of an idiot, you know, all those sort of things are what people were sort of jokingly saying when in actual fact a huge story was going on. One thing I did pick up the other day, and you can correct me on this, you were saying the kids, yeah. the kids <clears throat> are your priority, not all the adult preconceived ideas. Does that ring a bell to you? Or is it out of con- it's so out of context it doesn't No, it's a bit out of context. Yeah. Can me can you give me any more? The kids are your priority, not all the adult pre- preconceived ideas. So I guess when we're well, go, I've triggered. No, you. I was going to say. Well, I think it's the. I suspect that um, the kids are my priority in everything I do, or I could even just say a client, you know. But at, I mean, at the moment, it's primarily kids. Um, because the adult world and its structure is so dominant, whereas the child needs an advocate. Um, and it doesn't mean that I'm the advocate, but I, I'm always working, thinking now we're getting the child's perspective. Like you're always working to get what what you think the child's perspective is because it's about them. Right. So parents could suggest something and, you know, they really do know their kids best most of the time. Um, But they also come loaded with their world and their perspective and, you know, sometimes there are hard conversations where you have to gently suggest that this may not be what we're seeing in this space and they do spend a large part of the day with us in a school. So... and, and then it's dynamics. It doesn't mean something's right or wrong. Yep. It's just, so what's different about that space to that space? <laughs> and it doesn't mean it's, you know, a parent attack at all. And the same with specialists because, you know, we have so many specialists and they come and go, but they're only there for five seconds. And they are incredibly good at what they do. But there's a whole other part of a week that the child is, seen and observed and working and doing things. So I think that, you know, and you can get, and I've been in these meetings where people override each other for their professional level. And it's like, well, at the end of the day, you're not even on the ground with kids. So, and quite often, especially out of COVID, a lot of them are so online. Yep. um, They weren't, and I was in some of those meetings because they required an adult to be. And I just thought, isn't that interesting? I'm watching this kid who's not even behaving like them because they're online with this person and then that person's writing a very big behavioural document. So I think it's just being open to the possibility. It's definitely not a criticism of any of the, the spaces. It's just the bottom line is the child yeah. or the person. Sure. And that advocacy that we spoke about, how do they get best get that? You know, and quite often somebody will choose the advocate for the child, and it's like, well, no, I think the child needs to choose the advocate. Definitely, and so therefore, you mean somebody that that's also that's going to allow the child to behave more naturally the way. 
yeah, and, well, and in a safe place? Yeah, well, just be them. It's just it, that's that invisible thing again. Mm. Like, um, I'm trying to think of how to word it. So people often ask how I, how I get a kid to talk or why they always connect with me, and it's like, well, because. I think it's because it's not about me. I'm truly looking at a human like I do with any human thinking, okay, this is interesting. Let's do something. So there's no no massive wall or hidden agenda sort of level at all. Let's just see what comes of this moment. And then I'm an equal part to that moment as as they are. So I'm not looking down at them. I'm not anything. I'm quite often on the floor or doing, you know, that sort of thing. So it, the safe space is that they can bring forward whatever they want. Mm. And I don't ask questions about anything. I wait for it to come forward. Wow. So they're not in terror. I'll ask them about what was created and usually what we've created or some of the things that statements they've made I'll ask you know do you feel you can tell me why you said that or how did that make you feel or does that remind you of another time so it's an offering to say something yeah but it's definitely not a questioning do you reckon and mum, that, and, mum and dad's take that moment sometimes when it's oh absolutely my God. chaotic why did you now tell me how that made you feel oh my God, why no, did you I did, I never that. I never did no, that. I know, I'm my sister, I know, 23 and 18, and they would laugh. They'd be yeah. like, yeah, you never did that in the car, Mum. <laughs> you just asked. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, it's kind For of sure. quite funny now. Though. They throw it on me. Yeah. Well, and it, a t- it's a different moment too, right? Because you are an advocate in that moment too. So there's this... like, And, and you are... Obviously, you are as a parent every single day of your life, but... As a parent, you're living your life with that person, with that child, with many children. I know, but it does match, it does match up with that concept, you know, because parents always say, you know, I say, how was your day in the car? And they go, they just don't say anything. Yeah. And it's like, no, yeah. they don't. And for history, they really haven't. Well, like, I, so it's not going to happen now. Like, mm-hmm. just, you know. yeah. And quite often, it's interesting because I do a lot of work with single dads and, um, and they're often come running, uh, you know, like, well, what am I doing? Like, how do I do this? And I said, I think just have fun. Like, do not interrogate. Yep. Just have good moments and the conversation will flow. But it probably won't flow when you want it. Yeah. Well, and, know, if somebody, not- and if someone's, like, got an addiction or got PTSD or in the middle of trauma... It's not always sure. easy for them to have fun and be make the child or, or 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 even their friends make it a priority to have a fun moment when they're in trauma. So yeah, and no, that, but, but the mm. key is you're absolutely correct. But the key is in the doing, and that's why I said because it opens the pathways that that person and quite often the emergency services people that. Some of it, that, you know, they think I'm a bit nuts. But I'm like, get a colouring book and colour it in with your kids. Like, nobody has to talk. There's no threat. There's no nothing. And then it creates a flow because their pathways are opening up and changing to being able to 
be fun, or no, fun's the wrong word, accessible, yeah. and the child will enter in and you've, you've got equal territory. Right. So it was like go and do basketball hoops or go and do something you can do. Even, you know, very rarely, not often, I say, you know, if they're playing games, you know, PlayStation, then if you can't cope with anything else, then play a game with them, even if you don't like the game, you know. But if you haven't got the verbal, yeah, and then there were many moments in, in my kids' high school years that were quite horrific where I found it really hard to engage because I was just broken and exhausted to just, I don't know, sit down and do Lego. And it was actually good for me. It was just doing together. It didn't have to be a discussion. So I think... I try to get them to just break it right down so that they're actually helping themselves and the kid. They're just in a space together. Right. And the and the kid remembers, oh, that was pretty cool. Didn't really matter about words or anything. It was just, oh, Dad did this or Mum did this. That was cool. I'll do that again. That was good. And so then they radiate more that way to wow. that space. So it's not really rocket science. But I think we forget it in our fast universe. Yeah. And that's that's one of the things I loved working with children is is going back to basics and keeping things simple and it is amazing the results you can get if you if you have the knowing of being able to do that or or to remember to do that. that. How much did that do for you? You would have got a lot back from that. I like I'm constantly just they blow my mind. And they clarify stuff for me. I'm just like, oh my god! Oh, they were just incredible. I think was yeah. it, I'm pretty sure it was you. I was telling um, there's a classroom of thirty kids, and if I left the room and a, a substitute teacher took over, I'd come back, and the kids were literally swinging off the banisters oh, yeah, yeah. like monkeys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What is going on here? Why what are the kids doing that? Like, I, they never behave like that for me. When I was in the room, they were just so beautifully well-behaved and the day went swiftly and colourfully and I don't know, I think I just had that natural I, care. But I got brought up in special needs children because my auntie, which brings me back to how um, somebody you knew in my past life, my auntie Nell, who uh, is, is the mother of Simon and Jason Jones that you worked on on stage uh, with. And she worked, she was the director of a uh, autistic centre and yep. I, I would spend all of happily spend all of my school holidays there with with her kids and open it up, set it up. We'd swim in the pool with them and do colourful artwork with them. Oh man, it was unbelievably fun for me. Gorgeous kids. Yeah, but I think you said something then. It's gone the other way. But um, <laughs> I, I think you. Well, you, you probably don't underestimate, but you don't see how clearly your your manner with humans is just on equal ground. Oh, well, so it doesn't really just matter if you're 100 or you're three. You, yeah. do, you respond to that person as a person, is it? And I think that is kind of the key. Yeah. And, and when you enter into that space, you don't bring an arrogance or a shield or a, well, this is what I sense. Um, and and that. I mean, we all have that, but if you can be open to connecting with people, then 
that's how kids come forward. And I, and I think that was probably why they were hanging from the rafters, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, because they, they, well, they felt that same thing with you 100%. and they responded accordingly, yeah, you know. 100%. Well, a lot of them, when they first, I think it was about 80% of the, the children didn't speak English, wasn't their first language. So I thought, how am I going to engage with a lot of these kids that can't speak English? And I used a lot of emotion, actually, for the first few weeks. Like, this is crying, this is happy, this is sad. So please Hi. tell me then, will you ever yeah. see yourself using these skills and going back into show business? <laughs> you keep trying to do that. <laughs> well, I thought I thought about it this week so yeah. much. Well... God, I'd love to do both. Yeah. I'd so love to do both. Yeah. But I don't know how you navigate. You've got to uphold your position in both sectors. And I, I mean, if I move to clinical practice, which I would love to do because there's a lot of legs in the mask program that I've sort of taken on and worked with you just get so much out of that um, that I'd like to move forward with that and that, then if that allowed me to do individual days then yes I could possibly go back but I don't know that I've got the energy I don't know, that, I wonder if my brain could separate from that even though there's so many similarities I just because I was the shopper from hell when it came to wardrobe I, I could out buy, never broke a budget, I could shop faster than anyone. I had the whole of Melbourne working on loading my car with costumes. <laughs> like, and that was such a huge network. I don't know. It is. And you were doing, you've done props as well, and you're a stage manager, so you know how to manage all of those yeah. intricacies. Yeah. 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 Mm. I don't know. You definitely put it in, mate. Head though, and there are definitely moments where I really, really miss that. I miss that um, diversity. If you had me in the wardrobe, you'd be having to lock me in the wardrobe bus so that I didn't overstate my position yeah. by coming <laughs> dealing with what was wrong with the script. Oh, yes. So how there how is that. supposed to navigate that? Yeah. It's, cool. Say that again. How am I supposed to navigate that? Well, I don't. Like, I. It would be virtually impossible. I mean, I found myself in that scenario with scripts before going, I'm sure you can't say that. But, yeah, yeah. when you actually work in that field. Yeah, yes. so I think mate, the key would be not to do a, a child drama about mental health. It would probably not be a good show for me. I'd be better doing my old world goth, you know, oh, fantasy, silly stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You and your goth. And, and then that would be that part of my brain. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, all that other stuff. And isn't it funny because we talk about art therapy and art and wardrobe and direction and trauma and PTSD and then you <laughs> open up your world to me and you show me your beautiful artwork, which is like, what? All done with inks. As in pen ink, yeah, from memory? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like tattooed on a pad, a big pad. Yeah. 
It's phenomenal, yo. Like, you're what you need to frame some of this work and have an exhibition, mate. It's so beautiful and it it, it draws you in, and you you can't help but look at the diversity of structure and colors and and the stories that are told throughout it. It's phenomenal, mate. Like, honestly, I'd like to see more, please. Oh, Uh, yeah, the showing is is, uh, sort of not done to show, not. It's not not done to show, but that's not a comfortable space for me. Well, it never is. As an exhibitor, unless you've got the biggest <laughs> ego in the world, it's a just it's about discipline and getting it out there and putting it up. We should probably have a duo art exhibition one day, and I'll put my best pieces in. You put your best pieces. Yeah, in. okay. I, I'm willing to accept. Yeah. That. I think I can handle that. And maybe grab a few of our other friends and do a group yeah, one someday. Yeah, I out because I don't think there's that much. I mean, mine primarily comes from it's a relief, like uh, uh, stories, everything. And we were talking before about stories. Um, everything is stories and chapters in my in my head. That's how I compartmentalise everything. And so my drawings, if something I just can't figure it out or I feel like I've... I don't know, I've let someone down or I have to unpack something or there isn't that person to do that with, um, then I just start drawing. I start drawing the story. And what's really interesting is they seem to end up framed. It's almost like I finished the story off with a frame and I was like, oh, so it's complete. And then there's a calm in that. So that story... It doesn't mean that another one won't happen from it, but in that moment of time, and the relief I get from that is huge. So it's very similar to what I do practice with other yeah. people to to create a different, um, a symbol or a whatever from everything that's been going on. And then it's also tangible. When you put things down or create things, you've now got something out of your brain that's tangible to look at. So you can create a different perspective looking into it. And I find I've got a gorgeous art therapy friend who does some play therapy with um, some of my kids. And she has this uncanny knack of making the smallest big statements about things just by looking at something. And um, I was trying to think of something she said the other day. No, I won't be able to pull it back in. But every now and then I just turn around and go, oh, my God, that was so apt. And it was actually very similar to a couple of things you did, Jules, you said. Well, you noticed my ink. So I found that fascinating. I was like, I hadn't thought about them being tattoos. Yeah. Sort of, but they kind of are. And they're like tattoo stories. But then tattoos are stories, little stories, you know, that, quite often give a lived experience. So interesting. Very interesting. And then interesting. And I reckon we did this incredible uh, summary with each other the other day and we did this creative it's and something that you do. And after we had a conversation you sort of sent me a poem about where I'm at and who oh. I am and it was so beautiful. It was Yeah but you did same for me, which is yours blue. I was like, oh, my God, where did that come from? Yeah, so what I, I used to write poems a lot when I was a kid, and I am related to um, a very famous poet, Charlotte Turner Smith. Oh. And look her up. She's one of the first female 
poets in the world, but I never knew that. And I used to write poetry as a kid and draw, sometimes draw pictures to go with the poem. And so I never actually knew that we were related to a really famous poet. Yeah, in the, yeah. In the 1700s, I think she was a poet. I love those connections. Mm. I, I hang on to one. My grandmother was a cousin of Joy Hester. And I, I can, um, from Heidi, and I, I can, yeah. Yeah, yeah, when we have these little people in, I was like, yep, I'll have that one. Oh. I feel a bit gorgeously odd like her, or oh, I wish yeah. I was, but in the, in the artwork. But but I think... Um, but you are gorgeously odd. That what's, that's what makes you so special when you're on set with us. Um, uh, it's never boring. It's never boring. Hey, Bless, I think you've learned to be boring, though. You've learned how uh, we were saying earlier. You, we've learned how to be invisible at the right time, so we can be boring. But you're definitely yeah, not boring. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think um, back to that thing that I wrote you. Yeah. That that is well, it was part of my training as well. It's called an intersubjective response, mm. which is in the art therapy practice. Um, the idea of collating what your felt sense after you've done a session with someone and giving them an offering of that privileged space. And sometimes it can be part of what you created together, but it usually has something that they've said that they may not have heard. Yeah, for sure. Something that rose and... I do it in a lot of things that I do now, yeah. even if it's a hit or miss. Mind you, I haven't missed much, and I don't think that's about me. I think it's about the focus. Yeah. Um, but And what people get from that simple offering For is sure. usually it's the same as what you gave me. I was like, oh, my God, I so said that. You did. Oh, my God, and- I know. <laughs> and you don't, and, and I, th- I guess that was the beauty of receiving from you was reading, oh, my gosh, you were listening. Oh, my gosh. Yes, you understood that. It and is. I'm, Even if you only ever walk away with that, there's so yeah. much in that. All. Yeah. Very beautiful. authentic. It's uh, Mind you, mine was hilarious. You were tapping into bikers and, you mm. know, because I have this history of, you know, don't have a bike, but just all these connections with, you know, people that have bikes for di- totally different reasons and different parts of my life. That's right. Quite fascinating. So, and, and not only another- that, the tattoos and the, you know, the things that you wish you'd attracted and the things that you had attracted, which were also beautiful and colourful and different and some you really didn't want, like everybody. Um, yeah, yeah, and to receive that poem from your th- and sending it back to you felt fantastic. So I was like, oh, now I'm unpacking what I heard with Yo, and I just thought, oh, if only we could all do this a little bit more. It was more than being poetic; it was searching your mind and and yeah. and your connectivity to what you were listening to, and how you're processing it, and did you process it properly, and how are you going to share that back with that person? Yeah. No, it's really quite gorgeous. Very therapeutic. Thank you. It was a very beautiful moment for me too, and I've kept it. Thank yeah, you no, I printed it. Yeah. I just wrote it. I, um, 
that reminded me of um, this fantastic, um, you know, women's uh, counselling session, family violence session. I did a, a group um, activity. I brought it into the circle because I realised everyone was really. It was I wasn't facilitating, um, and but I felt everyone was very jarred because these poor women in that area had to share with each other but they they're so overjudged by everyone and defensive and rightly so in so many levels they couldn't connect with each other and so it's a bit of a time waste because how do we get these people to sit together and one of the things I did with them was we had an envelope for each person and you had to write down the first thing you thought of that person. Obviously not a negative thing, but really people actually first thought is usually not negative. It's like, oh my, you know, her shoes are great. Oh my God, she's got the most amazing smile. Like, how is that haircut? That is so beautiful. You know, those sort of things. And so everyone had to just, they didn't name it, but they would write a sentence and put it in the envelope. And then at the end of the session, so nobody knew who it was, but they went home with an envelope full of everyone's first opinions of them and of all these gorgeous things about them. And it made a huge difference the next week. Like, they couldn't believe it. They said they'd never received so many positive judgments <laughs> like, <laughs> that they wanted to accept and yeah. they and then all of a sudden the sharing started and I had actually I wanted to do that at my workplace last year but it didn't evolve in the end because there was some sort of um, I don't know I just felt the disconnect was not not great and I was hoping that I could maybe bring them all back into that sort of space but that's such a good um I didn't eventuate but it's such a simple it's the same simple thing giving back a little statement and then allowing that person to reflect and the kids have actually kind of got it together I think I'm feeling maybe it's the adults because yeah you know, yeah it's we people just have- it is people asking very inappropriate questions and that's such a, a really good statement that you made was, I don't think I should have to tell you why I was on leave. I'm on leave and leave is leave and yeah. I don't. you're not really supposed to ask me even. I don't think you're supposed to ask. If you say you're on uh, leave for, pers- for mental health reasons, for example, that's it. That's it. You shouldn't say why and what that what that entails. No, um, it's, it's know, an interesting. It's, it's almost an entitled tone, or I don't know. It's well, no, weird. it's loaded because then they're ready to go. Well, you should, you know, you should be doing better, or that shouldn't affect well, you. Bit, and then it's and I feel it's a bit like, well, what about me? Everything's a bit like. I used to have this analogy of you know, like I don't like playing tennis, hmm. and it's like because. You ask me a question that's loaded and then I'm expected to hit the ball back and you're going to hit it back again. And I'm like, yeah, I don't do tennis. I hate tennis. I'm not doing it. (laughs) I'm just like this. Just say it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just got a bit more. It'll be, uh, yeah, hopefully in time it will ease itself back. Mm -hmm. But 
it doesn't always make, especially in the mental health space, it doesn't make it easy to work when you're just trying to support people that really are struggling yeah. to then try to filter out the ones you that want aren't. to care and you want to listen. Yeah. So you've got to be careful not to judge, but then I'm not sure, you know, yeah. Yeah. There's a whole different layer in there. Well, it's good that you're approaching it that way because quite often there's a lot of people just judging or, or burnt out. Yeah, I think, but then, yeah, it, it's very hard to um, unpack. Hence I draw, see? see? Draw it out, yo, draw it out. It's got to come out somewhere. <laughs> I, think, I think you should be producing and writing your own children's show. Um, what was it? Home? Oh, no, don't start saying. Home what? was a series in the 80s. Home. Home is on the other side. Do you remember it? Oh, my God. And no, imagine. Uh, no, I don't. It, it was about an orphanage, I think, or children. Yeah, orphans. I'm pretty sure it was about a home, as in an orphanage home. And, um, it, yeah, so you could do that. Reboot that. You could be the producer and the writer. That way you can go, now listen, I don't think we should be. <laughs> but then you'd see the yeah. wardrobe and you'd be like, hang on a sec, I've just got to go yeah, and I might see so. these okay. guys. I'll be back in a minute. He can't wear that. That's not, no, no. That's why being a yeah. producer, executive producer, would be a great role for you for your next project. That'd be project. so irritating. You would so regret that. You'd be like, oh, I should never have said that. I'll come and co-produce with you. That's fine. You can easily <laughs> tell me off and I can easily tell you off and we'll come to this beautiful eclectic moment where we go, let's just create. I know. I'd get everyone in a workshop to just feel good. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. right, stop this. Let's just have a team building creation moment. Yeah. Why not? Hey, yo, thanks for joining us today. I got so much out of it. I really want you to just listen back to this and pick it apart and see if anything triggers you or gets you excited and maybe maybe write down some notes and we can do another episode, better it somehow. I love every minute of it. It was a very good meander, Jules. Thank you, gorgeous. Love you heaps. We'll talk soon. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. I hope you got something out of today. Child therapy, what it's like to be a stage manager, a makeup artist, a wardrobe artist, and, yeah, listening to the kids on the Oval and what do you do when they're misbehaving. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll speak to you next week. Bye now.